Good morning. I'm Duarte Geraldino. And I'm Shamita Basu. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. Vice President Mike Pence addressed voters during the third night of the Republican National Convention against a backdrop of a nation in crisis. The deadly coronavirus keeps spreading. Protests over racial justice dramatically brought parts of the sports world to a halt. And on top of that, a powerful Category 4 hurricane just slammed into the Gulf Coast. And while all that is happening, there was Pence trying to reassure Americans. This is a serious storm. And we urge all those in the affected areas to heed state and local authorities. Stay safe and know that we'll be with you every step of the way to support, rescue, respond, and recover in the days and weeks ahead. Pence then turned to address the situation in Kenosha, Wisconsin. People there have been protesting every night this week after police shot a black man on Sunday. Republican convention speakers have been criticizing protesters in Kenosha and across the country, saying these people have turned violent and destructive. But on Tuesday night, a 17-year-old allegedly opened fire on protesters. At least two people were killed. The LA Times reports the shooter posted pro-police and pro-Trump messages on social media. He's since been arrested and charged. We didn't hear about that last night. The vice president reinforced what's become a major theme of the re-election campaign, restoring law and order. So let me be clear. The violence must stop, whether in Minneapolis, Portland or Kenosha. Too many heroes have died defending our freedom to see Americans strike each other down. We will have law and order on the streets of this country for every American of every race and creed and color. And he repeated the unfounded claim that Joe Biden supports defunding the police. Biden's plan actually calls for increasing the number of officers in black and brown communities. Pence's most prominent role to date in the Trump administration has been leading the coronavirus task force and all this week at the convention. Speakers have been applauding the Trump administration's handling of the pandemic, even referring to it in the past tense as if it's over. Last night, Pence called America a, quote, nation of miracles. Thanks to the courage and compassion of the American people, we're slowing the spread. We're protecting the vulnerable, and we're saving lives, and we're opening up America again. The pandemic is not over in America and in many places in the world. So far, more than 178,000 people in the U.S. have died from COVID-19. We're quickly approaching 6 million confirmed cases. The United States is by far doing the worst of any developed nation in the world when it comes to daily new cases per capita. And that's why we're beginning today with not just how Pence is handling this crisis, but a review of his four years as vice president. The Washington Post profiled him. Reporters spoke with 25 people who have ties to Donald Trump and the vice president, including former and current senior officials and other close confidants. And the way that those people describe it to the Post, they say Pence is walking a very difficult line. He's become a loyal student and servant of President Trump without calling too much attention to himself. He watches Trump's rallies. He studies transcripts of the president's interviews. He avoids disagreeing with Trump in meetings or when other people are around. 
Some former Trump aides told reporters it's sometimes frustrating that Pence seems unwilling to put his foot down with Trump. But in return for his loyalty, he appears to have gained a close working relationship with the president. Trump calls him several times a day to check in. And when the president tapped Pence to lead the coronavirus response, the Post describes him as commanding a positive relationship with governors. Yeah, but that close working relationship, according to the Post, has some complications. The Post says privately, officials in the administration are complaining Pence is more worried about media coverage and the public perception of the virus than the virus itself. Mm-hmm. Aides told the Post, behind closed doors, Trump is blaming Pence for the unfavorable media coverage. Right. But if you think back to 2016, when Pence was first asked to join the ticket, a lot of the reason that he was tapped was because he was seen as necessary to court white evangelicals and other socially conservative Republicans who, at the time, were not so sure if Trump was the right choice. And today, Pence might be even more crucial. Trump's approval has recently fallen among evangelicals. One of Pence's go-to lines has been... I like to tell people I'm a Christian, a conservative, and a Republican, in that order. He's also a formidable fundraiser for Trump's re-election campaign. He visited 27 states and made over 73 trips since October. In short, he is someone who can remind conservative voters of Trump's successes in office, like appointing a record number of conservative judges. He's described over and over again as a really valuable right-hand man to the president. But the Post says, according to people who know Pence well, his real ambition is to one day become president himself. And the president of the conservative political advocacy group Americans for Prosperity told The Washington Post, quote, People often mistake humility for weakness or lack of ambition, and they do so at their own peril when it comes to Mike Pence. It started with the Milwaukee Bucks, refusing to take the court last night as an act of protest. Then, like a string of falling dominoes, more NBA teams followed. Then the WNBA, Major League Soccer, Major League Baseball, and tennis star Naomi Osaka. And then, in the most dramatic moment yet, the LA Lakers and Clippers voted at a league-wide players' meeting last night to cancel the rest of the season, according to The Athletic, ESPN is calling it the day the game stopped. Pro sports is unraveling, and not because of COVID, but because some players and coaches are demanding justice in the police shooting of Jacob Blake. He is the black man in Kenosha, Wisconsin, who's now paralyzed from the waist down after officers shot him in the back. His three sons, ages three, five, and eight, were in the back seat of his car when police opened fire. Here's LeBron James speaking to the press. Quite frankly, it's just in our community. And I said, I know people get tired of hearing me say it, but we are scared as black people in America. Clippers coach Doc Rivers echoed that feeling earlier in the week. We're the ones getting killed. We're the ones getting shot. We're the ones that we're denied to live in certain communities. We've been hung. We've been shot. And all you do is keep hearing about fear. It's, it's amazing to me why we keep loving this country, and this country does not love us back. From the start of the season, players across the NBA have been united in using their platform to stand up for racial justice. And according to Yahoo Sports, players held a meeting last night in the bubble in Orlando, Florida, 
And they were passionate. Things got heated. Some called out union leadership. LeBron voiced criticism of league ownership for not doing enough to support players. Bucks guard George Hill told the undefeated, he's sorry he ever came to the bubble and his team regrets playing Monday night in Game 4. And the Bucks senior vice president tweeted his support of players' decision to walk. He said, quote, some things are bigger than basketball. Know that it's just you and God. That's what the mayor of Port Arthur, Texas, told people who chose to ignore mandatory evacuation orders issued in Texas and Louisiana. Laura made landfall as a Category 4 hurricane near Cameron, Louisiana, with sustained winds of 150 miles per hour. The storm is expected to deliver what the National Hurricane Center is describing as a, quote, unsurvivable surge of water to parts of the Gulf Coast. Mm. We're talking about a wave that's 20 feet tall, about the equivalent of a two-story house slamming into the coast. Louisiana's governor warned residents, get out of harm's way. He said his state hasn't seen a storm surge like this in many, many decades. And according to a professor at Colorado State University who collects hurricane data, This is one of the strongest storms ever to hit the United States. Hundreds of thousands of homes in Texas and Louisiana have already lost power as of early this morning. A local Louisiana sheriff's office put out a statement telling residents that rescue efforts can't start until after the storm has passed. And they instructed residents to, and and this is pretty grim, Duarte, the quote is, write your name, address, social security number, and next of kin, and put it in a Ziploc bag in your pocket. COVID-19 is hitting Louisiana and Texas hard. Hospitals and nursing home staff tell the Houston Chronicle they're already overwhelmed. Remember all those pictures that came out after Hurricane Harvey in 2017, the ones that showed people in assisted living homes waist-deep in water? The conditions were terrible, and rescuing them was complicated. This time around, directors at these types of facilities say they're preparing for the worst. Wildfires keep raging across Northern California, and very few things can survive in those conditions. And the fires reach temperatures of more than 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. They scorch just about everything in their path, homes, buildings, brush, most vegetation. But there is one species of tree that reportedly is still standing, the redwoods. AP reporter Martha Mendoza heard rumors that the redwoods had not survived the fires. So she threw on some sensible shoes and decided to hike the trail at Big Basin Redwoods State Park. That's the oldest state park in California. She wanted to see it for herself. And it turns out the park's buildings were mostly destroyed, camping infrastructure badly damaged, but the redwoods survived, including the one they call the mother of the forest. And it's true that younger redwood trees will burn, but the more mature ones are very resilient. Some of them are 2,000 years old. You don't make it to two millennia without making it through a few blazes, especially in California. You can find all these stories and more in the Apple News app. And tonight is the last night of the RNC. President Trump will speak. You can visit the Apple News app where we'll have a live blog and highlights of key moments. We'll talk with you again tomorrow. 